You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Newcastle City campus and uh, and dedicating her along with Adam and Kira. Now look at her. Wow. Amazing young lady. Loves God, serves God, uh, stuff like that. You guys, Pastor Adam, uh, Smokham is no uh, foreigner to you. But first and foremost, we want to celebrate them as God's children. Now, God's got this incredible passion for them. And it's an incredible plan for them. But secondly, we also want to celebrate them as, uh, as people who followed the call of God. It's not easy. Look, even in your own home, it's not easy to follow the call of God. Jesus said you can't even be a prophet in your own hometown. And then to go somewhere else where it's a total move by faith. About 2010, seven years ago, they started with themselves you know, in uh, San Jose, California. Now they're spread all up and down the Bay Area with Vive Church. They've just, well, you started the, the elements of the fourth campus and it kicks off with the Publix in August, didn't it? Yeah, so four campuses in the Bay Area in seven years, which is an awesome thing. So what we want to say is, first and foremost, we believe in these guys as God's kids and as people from this house, but we're also proud of them and everything that they've done for the kingdom of God. I know Adam's got a great word for you. Come on up, mate. Welcome, Adia. Come on, man. Come on, buddy. Come on. Come on, let's give God some praise, amen. Come on, let's give him 10 seconds of our best praise. Come on, he's worthy. Hallelujah. Come on, his name is Jesus. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Come on, let's glorify him. Let's lift his name up. Thank you, Lord. promises for you. One day He has blessing for you. One one day those things will come to pass. But He also is the God who is right now. Man, I can't tell you how much I like that because sometimes we think resurrection is an event that will happen someday. But what Jesus said to Lazarus, He says, come on, resurrection isn't an event. Resurrection is a person and His name is Jesus, which means that anytime Jesus gets involved with something, those dead things have to come back to life. Those things that were dormant, those things that were dead, they're the very things that have to come back to life when Jesus gets involved. And I believe God wants to raise some things back to life today. Do you believe it? Are you expecting? I've got to let you know, I come from a loud church. I'm going to need you to be loud today. I'm going to need you to be vocal. We've got a lot of black people in our church and... They love to shout me down. They make a preacher feel good. So I'm going to need you to act like you're black today from a Southern Baptist church. And you're going to just say amen. You can push your neighbor around, get them involved if they're getting too quiet. Amen. Amen. 
Come on, try it out. Just say amen. Right up the back. Come on, can I get an amen? Amen, amen, amen. Man, it is so good to be here. It is, it is so good to be here at, at my home church. As Pastor Keith said, I'm not a stranger. I may be strange, but I am definitely no stranger to this house. And uh, I'm so excited for the word that God has put in my heart for today. In fact, I want to share a passage of scripture just while we stay standing because it doesn't come out of my time as long as you're standing. So I learned this trick in having my own church now. So turn with me in your Bible to Matthew 28. This is our series scripture, series called The Kingdom Commission. And when Pastor Keith gave me this topic, I thought, what a gift. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate this. And I do want to give honor real quick before I read the scripture to Pastor Keith and Janet. I don't know if you know how, you know, sometimes you can get real familiar with what you're around a lot. And you can take for granted what God has already given you, what He's gifted you with. And your leaders are amazing. They are, they are our heroes and uh, just so, so humble, yet so experienced. I'm just watching Pastor Keith before with the team and everything, in everything he does, he's coaching. He's just like coaching all the time, coaching all the time. And he's been our coach up close from afar and, and we love them. And I tell you what, this, this couple definitely gives the enemy nightmares, amen. 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 In fact, I believe this entire church has been giving the enemy nightmares for a long time. Amen. He, he, he doesn't like you. He doesn't like you at all. But Matthew 28, verse 18, it says, Jesus came, told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How many people are glad that, that you are not alone in this life? Doesn't matter what you've been through, doesn't matter where you're going, doesn't matter where you find yourself. God's promise in His Word is that you will never, ever be alone, that He is with you, that He's empowered you, that He's equipped you with His presence. He goes with you, He goes before you, He surrounds you. Come on, we serve a mighty God, amen? Amen, amen. Well, my plan is to give you some tools today to fulfill your kingdom commission. And I love that God doesn't just call us, He also equips us and He empowers us with that which we need to fulfill that which He's called us to do. And I want to do that with a, with a subject that, that I've entitled, The Devil Don't Know. The Devil Don't Know. Can you handle that? Can you act excited about it? Are you awake? Don't get quiet on me. It scares me when people get quiet. But I want you to do something as you get yourself ready for the Word of God. Find 15 people around you. Give them a hug and say, the devil don't know with your best gangster accent you can. Say, the devil don't know. The devil don't know. Thank you, team. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you, Cam. Thank you, Naomi. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. Now, I, I, I know that uh, I'm on a time limit, so I want to kind of just do a little introduction, if that's okay. I know I'm amongst family, but, but we have had some family members join the church since we've been gone. So, 
So I do want to help you get to know me. I have got my eldest daughter traveling with me, Medea. She is 13 years old. Would you stand up, honey? Come on. It's not Kira. It is Medea. She looks like Kira, but she is incredible. Do you want to come and say something? No, you're good? Okay. And, uh, and, and you know, we haven't been gone seven years. That, that's, that's to come five years. I know it feels like longer you miss me that much, but, but it's been five years. And God has been doing something incredible in our church. We do, we're about to launch our fourth campus in Oakland, or if you're local, Oaktown. And uh, it is a, a, if you know anything about Oakland, it is, it is a stronghold of the enemy. It's where a lot of movements have come out of, Black Panthers came out of Oakland, and uh, a, lot of, a lot of different movements have come out of that place. But we're planting a church in the place that most churches want to avoid. And, uh, and I, well, I don't know what gets you guys excited. I'm going to try a couple things today, see if planting churches and seeing people saved gets you excited. I don't know. I usually clap Jesus at about that part, you know, when we're planting churches. So let's just go ahead and try it, Newcastle. Come on. Come on. Amen. Amen. Come on, Andy. Help me out. And, and, and what, what we're doing, Vibe Church, God's doing some incredible things. In fact, uh, we, we are, we're almost five years old, and... And we've been loving being in the United States of America. In fact, can I tell you this? Can I just put a little photo of my, my family up real quick, just in case you don't recognize my, my girls? Can, can, we, can we do that? There they are. These, this is my Zali and Zara, my twins. Just clap. Come on, church. Come. You gotta, I got to train you. Pastor Keith, I thought they were trained. I thought they were trained. You didn't tell me they were going quiet on me. Come on. Where, where's all, all the, the youth at? Do we have any youth in here? Come on, act like you love Jesus today, amen? Anyway, we've been in America, we, we came from Australia, we're in America now, and let me tell you something about America. America's strange, okay? How many people know America's strange? Any, any people know that? There, there are some weird traditions, and maybe strange is a little bit too, too abrupt, it's different, okay? And there are some, some traditions that we've discovered being in America that makes America different. One in particular is the tradition called Halloween. Now, now I know we celebrate Halloween here, but nothing like America. I mean, we go all out. And we may be new to the country, but we're not stupid, so we know how to act. And we, we know how to get our, immerse ourselves. We're quick learners is what I'm trying to say. And so we learned real quick that, that you don't just go around your neighborhood trick-or-treating. You go to these places called full-size candy bar neighborhoods. That's where you go. Because there are some rich neighborhoods where they don't give the snack-size candy bars. They, they give like full king-size bars. And so you can load up real quick in these neighborhoods. And, and so we figured that out early. And, and we go around. And actually, Pastor Keith, you came on one of the, one of the trick-or-treating with us. And he would know that they, they completely trick out these houses. I mean, the whole neighborhood go all out, they, 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 they decorate, they go overboard to try and make it as spooky as possible, and here you've got my little girls who are dressed up as princesses, you know, kind of just skipping down the path, doing everything we told them not to do, go to strangers and ask for candy, you know what I mean? It's one day you're allowed to, and so, and so we, 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 we kind of enjoy it, and this is last Halloween, we were standing on the curb as the kids were going up to the door. And we noticed there was a family of older adults that were following us going from door to door. And there was this one lady in this family who was, she, she was, I think she'd had some champagne-infused candy, you know what I'm saying? So every, every decoration, no matter how fake and how, how crazy, if it was like a fake spider, if it was Frankenstein's mistress, it didn't matter. She was startled every time. 
and she's laughing, so she's walking down the path, oh, oh, Tommy, you know, and she's startled every single time. And I didn't notice at first until my 10-year-old daughter, Zara, she walks up the path, passes this lady, just as she gets startled by a fake tarantula, she goes, oh, and then Zara looks at her, looks at me, and she goes, what's her problem? Like out the corner of her mouth. She's 10. And it made me think, you know, it was funny at the time, but it kind of made me think this is what we do as believers. We know that the enemy's against us. We know that because we follow Jesus that there is a devil that wants to take you out, yet we're constantly surprised every time we come up against one of the enemy's attack. Constantly surprised. Constantly startled as if we had no idea that the enemy was against us. Now, now, despite the title, my goal today is not to really talk about the devil. My, my goal is to talk about Jesus. I want to make him famous. But I do want to let you know of a certain a few things that, that you do have as a follower of Jesus. I, I want to make you aware of what you have as believers about the authority, about the power and the dominion that you possess as followers of Jesus. And, and I think it's helpful to know that as a follower of Jesus... It's helpful to know that the devil is not an equal and opposite power to God. This is not Star Wars. There is not a dark force side of the force that's just as powerful as God. The devil, the enemy, he's not as powerful. You need to know that God alone is omniscient, meaning he knows all. God alone is omnipotent, meaning he is, he, he is all-powerful. God alone is omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere. The devil is omni-nothing. Can I help you this morning? In fact, to know, to know exactly what the devil isn't actually begins with knowing exactly who Jesus is. So I thought we could start out by doing a little bit of teaching today just to kind of kick things off and, you know, just to kind of let you know, I, I do know the Bible a little bit. I have got some theology under my belt. You know, I know I've got some scholars here in the crowd, uh, but, but, but I do want to do a little bit of teaching if that's okay with you. Okay, church, can we do that? And to do that, we need to go to the Gospel of John. So open your Bible real quick to the Gospel of John. And what you're going to find is that John, he starts out his Gospel by really revealing just who he knows Jesus to be. He knows Jesus as none other than grace and truth, the light and life. He, he knows Jesus as the anointed one and the anointing. He, he knows Jesus as the one who, who, who saves and the one who sets free. He's the one who created life and through whom all life is redeemed. This is Jesus. In fact, in, one, sorry, in John chapter 1, verse 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made that have been made. Nothing was made without Him that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. That's a fascinating verse right there. The darkness has not understood it. You see, John's writing this at the end of his life. This is kind of like Grandpa John. Grandpa John knows he doesn't have long to live. You know, he, he, his, his life is kind of pittering out. The candle's fading a little bit. And he knows if, if I go, who's going to really talk about Jesus? Who else walked with Jesus? Who actually heard his voice when he spoke those words? And so he comes up with this idea, man, I better put this pen to paper. I better let people know exactly who Jesus was. This is the guy who referred to himself as the disciple Jesus loved. He was intimate with Jesus, and he wanted to portray and articulate both the humanity and the divinity of Jesus. 
He wanted to do this in, in, in one aspect. And I actually like the way that he writes it, describing that God was both fully man and fully God. He says that the Word became flesh and literally dwelt among us. The very Word, the divinity of God put flesh on and walked amongst us and ministered amongst us. He, he faced what we faced. He, in fact, in, in five days from now, He's going to face what we face, the persecution, the isolation, the temptation, the devastation, all these Asians. God faced them just like you and I do. And so John says, you know what, I'm going to put this on paper so that you can know the power in this redemptive plan of Jesus Christ. And it's a plan that has been having the devil playing catch up ever since its conception. Did you know that? Did you know there's a lot about the redemptive plan, or really there's a lot about you the devil doesn't know either? You thought the devil knew everything about you. You thought the devil knew your next move. You thought the devil knew your next plan. He, he, you thought the devil knew what you were going to do tonight. You thought the devil, do, devil knew what you were going to do this week. You thought the devil knew. But there's a lot about you the devil doesn't know. This is going to be the most empowering message you've heard all week. <laughs> devil don't know. But I want to tell you what the devil doesn't know. In fact, to do that, I want to take you to Luke's gospel. I'm just going to go ahead. And I'm going to read a lot of scripture today. I was trained right by Pastor Keith. He loves the Bible. He taught me. So I'm going to read a lot of scripture in this church. Amen. And in Luke chapter 3 and 4, we have in scripture the activation of Jesus. At 30 years of age, Jesus at the appointed time hits the ministry scene. Now, now timing is important. And Jesus operated in a specific time. He, he operated within time. And and the timing that Jesus operated by was, was important, but yet he wasn't bound by time. In fact, we've got several indications in Scripture where Jesus says, hey, it's not my time, yet he still moved in power regardless, which can be confusing except to know that the compassionate nature of Jesus will cause him to go outside of his time and to move in your life at the time that you need it most because he is sovereign. He moves in time, but he's not bound by it. That's good news for somebody today who needs God to move and break through in their world. Amen. But here we've got Jesus not only showing that he moves in a specific time, but he hits the ministry scene in a specific style. And it says this in Luke chapter 3, verse 21. It says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a, a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Let's go down to chapter 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them, he was hungry. What we have here in Scripture in many ways is, is the starting gun for Jesus. It's the activation of his ministry. And it begins with a, with a heavenly notification of sorts. This is like, the conception of Facebook. He, he, God puts out this notification of, of who Jesus is, and he says this statement, this is my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. God puts out a heavenly notification that, that, he, that Jesus is now his son, and I need you to track with me, that Jesus is his son, and I'm pleased with him. Now, now the theological importance of this passage cannot be overlooked, 
to know that Jesus, that God actually, God the Father makes this statement over the Son before He's done one act, before He's done one miracle, before He's performed, He hasn't turned water into wine, He hasn't, he hasn't opened a blind eye, He hasn't opened a deaf ear, He has done nothing to this point, yet God the Father says over the Son, I'm pleased. And I like that because that's the same premise and position that God has over you. That God doesn't love you because of what you do. God doesn't love you because of how you act. That God loves you simply because of what He has done and who He is. Religion says you're loved because of what you do. Grace says you're loved because of who He is. I'm trying to preach a church happy today, but you look like you're not happy about the fact that God loves you regardless of what you do and what you've done. Did you know there's nothing you can do to make God like you more? At the same time, there's nothing you can do to make God like you less. So you can just go ahead and praise God for His unconditional love. Amen? Amen. And so here we've got this notification. But, but it wasn't just a notification and the activation of Jesus' ministry. It actually served as confirmation for Jesus around the revelation of who He was. Go with me. Go with me. Go with me. Maybe I need to come down to teaching voice just for a minute, okay? Scaring, scaring all you people. But, but it, let, let me explain this, because what we can often do, we can misunderstand from our extensive understanding and, and knowledge of Scripture. And we can often think that Jesus being born into humanity, he already knew about his divinity. The Bible makes it very clear that Jesus had to grow into maturity. Sometimes we think that Jesus was born just knowing he was God. Like he's walking on the bathwater when, when Mary's bathing him, you know, at birth. And she's frustrated, like, come on, get down, Jesus, you know, trying to bath you. Like, like as if Jesus just knew. But that's not the truth. He had, to, he had to grow in revelation. And all Jesus had to go off about his divinity was what Mary could tell him about his miraculous conception. But we also get a midway point. We see this in Luke chapter 2 where it's kind of like Jesus at 12 years old, just, just, just like a midway point in his understanding about his divinity. We see this in Luke chapter 2 verse 41. Let me read it. It says, every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him amongst their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. How many parents have lost their kids before? Re just real quick, show of hands. Wow, you're bad parents. Look at you all. But I'm with you. I've lost my kids before. Actually, one time, just recently, last, late last year, we were, I was trying to do sugar-free September, you know, which is very difficult in the United States of America to find anything sugar-free. And, and so I, I remember going to the store, and, I, and I'm looking at this, like, this stuff. I was looking at a packet of food, trying to figure out how the, how the title said, no added sugar, but yet I'm looking at the back, and there's all this sugar. I'm like, what is this sorcery? But then I realized it's no added sugar upon the pound and a half of butter that they put in there anyway. And, 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 so, and so I realized that, oh man, they got me good, good work, America. And, and, then, and then I had that moment where I look up and I thought, did I bring my kids? Mustn't have. So I keep reading, you know what I mean? And then I thought, no, I, I, I specifically remember bringing the kids. But I look down the aisle, I can't see them. I, I kind of go to the next aisle, I, I, I can't see them. And so... I thought, you know, I'll text Kira. So I text Kira, hey, honey, are the girls with you? 
And she texts back in capitals. I, I know it's bad when they do that, you know what I mean? And she's like, no, honey, they are with you. Is everything okay? <laughs> I, I wrote back, LOL, jokes, got you. Then I'm like, where are my girls? Literally, I went to the PA, and I'm like, Smokem girls, paging Smokem girls, get here! And I'm like, I'm doing everything I can to find my girls. They come up, and they're like, Dad, you told us to get bacon. And I'm like, oh, that's right, I forgot. But be encouraged today, no matter how much of a bad parent you are, you never lost Jesus, okay? Mary and Joseph, they lose Jesus. They, they lost Jesus. It goes on to say, after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. All the while they're looking for Jesus, he's, he's conversing with the rabbis in the temple, the teachers of the Torah, people who were well-versed, devoted to their learning of the Torah. In fact, it's known that many of these rabbis could articulate and they had committed the Torah to heart every single word, even the boring bits, they knew it. And here we've got Jesus at 12 years old, the Word of God articulating the Word of God to these religious leaders. And as they're sitting there being schooled and being taught by the Word Himself, their minds are being blown. They were experts in the law, but yet they also had the prophets. They had Ezekiel, they had Daniel, they had the prophet Isaiah. And whilst they would definitely preach on the Lord, they stayed away from the prophets because the prophets were inconclusive. Did you know? They didn't know. Hebrews even says when the prophets themselves would prophesy, they wondered what they were speaking of. Speaking of a Savior who would suffer, Speaking of a savior who would die, that, that doesn't make sense. The prophets themselves were confused. So the rabbis certainly weren't teaching on the prophets, but here comes Jesus articulating the prophecies because he was the very fulfillment of those prophecies. Goes on to say this, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why do you treat us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I needed to be in my father's house? but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Check this out. Mary, Mary says to Jesus, your father and I were searching for you, talking about Joseph. Jesus replies, did you not know I needed to be in my father's house, revealing a further revelation on his understanding of whose son he really was. But what was becoming more apparent to Jesus was actually still confusing to everybody else. It goes on to say this, verse 51, then he went down to Nazareth with them, and was obedient to them, good Jesus. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and men. Jesus, he grew in wisdom and stature. Now, if we can go back real quick, are you with me still, you still with me, church? Let's go back to chapter four, and, and, and what we see here in John, in fact, in John chapter one, we, we see this heavenly notification, you are my son, in whom I love, with you I am well pleased. And what we also have here is an amazing intersection in Scripture of the Godhead at work in perfect unity. I'm talking about a triune God. We have God the Father declaring His love for the Son. We've got God the Son obedient to the Father. And we've got, as Pastor Keith said earlier, we've got the Holy Spirit who's leading and guiding Jesus. Did you know the devil didn't lead Jesus into temptation? It was the Holy Spirit. Uh, that will help some people today. 
We often think that's the devil leading us into situations and circumstances, like the devil's got me. No, 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 the Holy Spirit led Jesus into temptation. He led him into the, into the wilderness so that he could become stronger. And just because you're in a situation and a circumstance doesn't mean you're there by the devil's design. It means you're there because God can trust that he's going to use that circumstance to grow you and develop something in you. That was for free. That's not even in my notes. That was for free. That was for Simon, I think. But here we've got this heavenly update which serves another purpose. It wasn't just to make a declaration. It wasn't just the activation of Jesus' ministry. It wasn't just to confirm to Jesus what he was thinking and believing all this time. It was actually to notify the devil as well. Because we see this in chapter 4, verse 3 of, of Luke. It says, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, check that out. If you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live by bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I'll give you their authority and their splendor for it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it'll be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship me, the Lord your God, and serve him only. The, then verse 9, the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Again, he said, if you are the son of God, he said, Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guide you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Verse 13, when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Sometimes we can read scripture with the presumption that the devil knew who Jesus was. That by the tempting and the asking of questions, he was just trying to check his identity. Just trying to check him, you know. Just check if you really know who you are. Come against the identity of, of Jesus. But you need to understand that the devil is not omniscient, meaning he does not know everything. He's finding out at the same time you're finding out. Hmm. I mean, we know from this passage that he was certainly well-versed in Scripture. We know that. But, but no one had expected a Savior to come in the fashion that he did. Everyone expected a king born in a, in a palace, not, not a savior born in a manger. They didn't expect, they didn't see that coming. That was a good twist from God. They didn't see that coming. They, hey, have you ever considered that if the devil knew exactly the redemptive plan of Jesus, then he wouldn't have actually crucified him on the cross? Because with every nail that he, he had hit into that cross, he was nailing his own coffin. If he had have known, he wouldn't have played so perfectly into God's plan. If he had have known everything, then we wouldn't have played out the way it played out. But he didn't know. He didn't know. So maybe there's some things that the devil doesn't know about you either. In fact, I want to do something. I want to give you a quick three things that you can write down because I know you're desperate to take notes today. That you can write down that the devil doesn't know about you. And this is going to help you. Firstly, write this down. The devil don't know your authority. Write this down. Come on. I don't see you writing, Wayne Gron. Come on. Write this down. The devil don't know your authority. We see that the devil questions Jesus' authority. We see that, Okay. And we see that, in fact, that he tempted Jesus by offering him authority over the kingdoms of this world. But, but what he didn't know is that Jesus had already been given all authority. We learned that in our series scripture in Matthew 28. Jesus came and told the disciples, I have been given. Come on, I have been given. Wow, this is a good church after all. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. What this means is that you can go ahead and begin to inform the devil that actually just because Jesus has been given authority, you have authority too. In fact, in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, he says, look, I have given 
you authority over all the powers of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Meaning the same authority that Jesus has, you possess. I want a church to get happy. Come on. The same authority Jesus has, you have. You know what else the devil don't know? Number two, you can write this down. The devil don't know your anointing. In fact, we see that Jesus comes out of the desert after being tempted, and now he's in a whole new level of power. He, he, he's walking with a new swag, man. He's got a whole new level of power. He comes out and he actually goes into a temple. It says this in, in verse 17 of Luke 4. It says, then he sits down. Pastor Jess read this brilliantly before. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He unrolls it. I mean, I just picture this scene. This is like Jesus bad to the bone, man. He just sits down. He opens up the scroll. He begins to read from the prophet of Isaiah, the, the same place that no, no, no teacher of religious law was comfortable preaching from. But Jesus goes to the hard stuff that nobody understood. He goes straight to the, to the prophet that nobody could understand really what it was saying. He says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim to the captives that they will be released and the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and at the time of the Lord's favor has come. Verse 20, check this out. Then he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Hmm. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the original mic drop, people. This is where Jesus, he's a boss. He just comes in and says, you know what? You could not understand this. is me. I and then it says he sat down. He's like, take that. What do you want? What you got? What you got? Jesus opens the prophet. This is the fulfillment. He's the fulfillment of the prophecies. And he, he begins to read a prophetic word about himself. He declares that he is the anointed one and the anointing. He came to release captives. He came to open blind eyes. He came to set people free. This is what anointing does. Anointing breaks the bondage that's over your life. The power of God to bring breakthrough. And the devil doesn't know your anointing. But he's banking on the fact that you don't know either. <laughs> he's really hoping that you don't know and that you don't find out how anointed you really are. He's hoping that you walk through this life contained, wondering, do I have anything in this life? Has God equipped me with any tools? Has God given me any gifts? Has God given me any authority, or any power? He's hoping and praying that you don't turn up to C3 Church Victory and find out week after week that you're actually empowered, equipped, and anointed from God, that you walk in authority, that everywhere you step your foot, you have dominion in that place. He's hoping you don't find out. Hoping it stays a mystery. Thirdly, here's the third thing the devil don't know. He don't know your activity. I can hear you writing that down, Wayne Gron. Devil don't know your activity. And I want to illustrate this one. Can I, can I get out my, my preaching aid real quick? Let's, let's bring out this because I'm from America now, so I need to bring out a little American, American teaching aid. And here we have uh, my, my daughter named this, 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 this guy Hunter <laughs> because he gets hunted. So, so this is Hunter, and, and he is a decoy turkey. Because we have a tradition, another weird tradition in America called Thanksgiving. Possibly my favorite man-made created tradition ever, okay? You eat until you can't walk. And so, 
and, and, and I love it. And we have this tradition uh, where in America, in turkey season, you go turkey hunting. And I have a guy in my church who's starting to teach me about turkey hunting. And Pastor Keith needs to settle down because he wants to stab this thing. He's a hunter. Okay, so just, just, just chill, Pastor. Okay, so, so we've, got, we've got a turkey decoy. And these are, he was teaching me that these are called a decoy. Now, there's something about a decoy that you need to know, because I went on a little YouTube fix where I started to learn all about turkey hunting, okay? I got fascinated. I got, I got sucked in, and, and I found out that you can't just put a, a turkey decoy in Newcastle, Australia, and expect a, a turkey to come. <laughs> Doesn't work like that. What you have to do with a turkey, and what good turkey hunters will do, is they will spend time before the legal season begins where you can, can everyone see that turkey over there? Let me just hold up a turkey for a minute. Just get a little shot. Thanks, Shane Barrel. We got, we got, you have to actually go out before the season begins and, and you have to actually just, just map out the patterns of the turkey. You have to see where the turkeys go, the pathways, the behaviors, the, the different cycles that they take, where they nest, where they grow, graze and where they go. And, what a, what a good turkey hunter will do is they will know exactly the pattern of the turkey and where they're going. And to be an effective turkey hunter, you have to actually situate this turkey, this decoy turkey, in the midst of a path of where turkeys often go. And you've got to YouTube this stuff. It's crazy, man. Like, they literally just hide behind this thing. And, and a turkey is so fixated on the decoy that they'll come right up in its face and they'll have a shotgun pointed right out here. They don't even see the shotgun. They just see the turkey. And they're puffing their feathers out. They're fanning everything out. They're, like, gobbling and just kind of, like, scratching the ground. And before they know it, the hunter just blows its head off. It's incredible. It's incredible. But this is what I, I found fascinating is that as I was learning this, God told me that this is actually exactly how the enemy comes at us. Because the enemy is not prophetic. He, he doesn't know what you're gonna do in the future. The enemy doesn't know your life. He, he's not God. He, he's finding out as you're finding out in fact. But what the enemy does know and what he does predict that you're going to do, because you're wondering, well, how does the enemy know me so well? How does the enemy always seem to trap me? How does the enemy always seem to corner me? How is it that the enemy always seems to get me in the same place in the same way all the time? Whether it's anxiety, whether it's depression, whether it's addiction, the enemy seems to know my number, Pastor. Well, well, well I got to tell you this, that he, he, he can't tell the future, but he is well aware of the pattern of your past. He's watched and he's... He's seen when you do this, it produces that. He, he's watched how that same pattern in your life has been cyclical. And all he has to do is put something in that path and know that you're going to fall for it every time. But I'm going to tell you something that what the devil doesn't know about you, not only does he not know your authority, not only does he not know your anointing, the devil doesn't know your next move as well. The devil doesn't know your next move. He doesn't know what you're going to do next. He doesn't know everything that you're going to do. You can actually take the devil by surprise. Did you know that? Jesus did. Check it out. It says this in, in verse 28. It says, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. The devil got them riled up. He sat down, dropped the mic. Devil got them riled up. It says this in verse 29. Then they got up and they drove him out of the town and they took him to the bow of a, brow of a hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. Verse 30, but he walked right 
through the crowd and went on his way. Now the devil knew who Jesus was now. He, he knew who Jesus was. Jesus just confessed it after being tried to be tempted. He didn't, didn't accept it. Now he's made this bold statement. Everything the prophecies have been prophesying about, it's me. The devil immediately offends the whole crowd. They try to get rid of Jesus early. He's like, man, I'm gonna take him out before he even begins. But right in the midst of the crowd, right when everyone's offended, they react to Jesus, they push him, but what we see is Jesus walked right through the crowd. And what God was telling me for this church is that some of you have felt cornered by the enemy. Some of you have been pushed into a condition. Some of you have actually had a, had a whole perspective and a persona built about yourself by the way you think people see you and the way that people think that you have to act. And it feels like you're caught in a cycle where you can't break free from. But I gotta tell you, just like Jesus, no matter how much the devil is cornering you, you can begin to turn things around and begin to push through the crowd. The God says, come on, I wanna equip you with some new moves today. I wanna equip you with some brand new moves that the devil wasn't expecting. He thought that if he triggered this, then it would result in this. It would cause you to draw back. It would cause you to hold back. It would cause you to self-doubt and wonder if God really called me. But that's not the move that God wants you to work in today. He wants you to know, regardless of what you've done, I call you my son. I call you my daughter. I tell you I'm well pleased. And you need to begin to move under the understanding of exactly who God's called me to be. I don't know why I'm the only one excited in this place. God wants to give you some new moves today some new moves, some new moves. Everyone stand to your feet in this Presbyterian church, amen. I believe God wants to empower some people to make some new moves today, amen. Some new moves. Maybe it's to break off, off apathy. Maybe it's to break off anxiety. These patterns, these thoughts, these behaviors that we're conditioned to that feel like they've got us stuck, a certain persona, like the enemy's crowding me, he's cornering me. But because of God's presence, you are able to simply walk right through the cornering of the enemy. The Bible says, all authority I've given to you, you can tread on snakes and scorpions and serpents and they will not harm you. You can walk right through the devil's attack. You can walk right through the devil's cornering. You can walk right through what the devil's trap that he had laid for you and he cannot lay a finger on you because all authority, all anointing you, I'm telling you to fulfill the very kingdom commission that God has put on your life. Not only has he called you to do something, he's also empowered you and equipped you. I'm telling you, some of you are gonna invite people for the first time ever in your life to church this week. The devil's told you, oh, you're not that kind of person that invites people. You're not that bold kind of Christian. Well, the devil doesn't know you. The devil doesn't know your moves. And I believe that you're going to be empowered this week to be an invited to church. That the same people you invite are going to have their life transformed. And you're going to tell the devil, you're going to point your finger right in the devil's face and say, you don't know me. Don't know me, devil. Devil don't know. Look at your neighbor real quick and say, devil don't know me. Tell them back, don't know you either. Don't know you either. In fact, why don't we all just close our eyes and lift our hands to heaven? I gotta close this thing, but right now in the presence of God, I wanna just create an opportunity where 
you can say, God, I thought the devil knew me. I thought he had my whole life mapped out. I thought he was pulling the strings and he was the puppet master. But I'm realizing today that by your grace and by your power, I get to live free. I get to walk free. So God, right now, would you empower every person here right now in this place under the sound of my voice with the understanding that they have an authority from you, that they have an anointing from you, that whatever's been keeping them captive, it doesn't have to keep them captive anymore. Your word declares whomever the sun sets free is free indeed. True freedom today is available for every life right now as they simply receive what it is that you spoke over them. And God, I pray you give each person boldness right now. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to create a moment right now. If you are far from God, if you came here today, you don't know how you're here. Maybe you've been invited recently, but yet you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you would like to shore that up. You're hearing me talk about gifts, anointing, power. That all comes as a result of relationship with God. This is how God does it. He gives it all at once. God doesn't just space out gifts and anointing. He just goes, I gave everything. That's why he stretched his arms out fully on the cross. He's held nothing back. And he gives it all at once today. And maybe you're saying, I need to receive that anointing, that power. I want to walk in a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you have prayed this prayer, but you know you've walked out on your own. You've kind of led your own journey for a while. And you realize that doesn't work out so well. I need to come back to God's plan for my life. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I do want to pray for you. If that's you and you're saying, yeah, pastor, include me in this prayer. I I want to know Jesus maybe for the first time, or I want to say I'm coming back to him today. Would you just give me a little wave so I know who I'm praying for and who this message was for today? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know who I'm praying for. Who is that? Who is that today? Who is that just saying, yes, 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 I want to receive Jesus. I want to put my faith in him. I'm going to get free today. I'm not going to walk this life just burdened down and hold down by knowing the enemy has got my number, but I'm going to walk in the freedom that was mine. Who else today is saying, yeah, include me in this prayer. Just give me a little wave. No one has to see it. No one's going to embarrass you. No one's going to call you out and make you kind of do a little speech. No one's going to do that. They're just going to say, hey, we're going to stand with you right now and believe. Who else? Who else? My goodness. Thank you, Jesus. God upon every heart right now. In fact, why don't we all lift our hands to heaven just for a moment in the presence of God. Upon every heart, upon every life, God, would you in this Easter season become more real to us than ever before? God, to know that where you struggle, we struggle. That we do not have a high priest who cannot empathize with our weakness, but has been tempted in every way that we've been tempted, yet he did not sin. That God, the very power to get free from the circumstance of our life, you have available for us. So God, we walk in freedom today. God, we receive that freedom today. God, we receive the new hope that comes with a life with Jesus. And God, we thank you for the confirmation that comes with you. That Lord, we can have assurance of this salvation because it's found in you. We pray this. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Come on, give God your best praise. Hallelujah. Awesome. Amen. Awesome. Just stay standing for a second. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. The devil doesn't know what's about to happen to you and through you this week. I believe that God wants to do more than you could even ask or imagine according to His power at work in you this week. That's going to result in people's lives being shifted. You know, Paul said, God has commissioned me 
to turn people from the power of Satan to the power of God. You're going to turn people this week. The devil has no clue about that. God knows, and he's destined you to do that. So, Father, this week we step into that with full confidence and authority. God, we know that this is a week of salvation. We know that this is a week of freedom, that this is a week of deliverance. And so, God, over all of our lives, when those opportunities open, we thank you that you have gone before us and you are covering us even before the devil knows about it. We thank you for salvation and deliverance and healing. People are going to get set free, delivered from the power of Satan to God. God, we thank you for that. This week is full and filled with activity that you've destined for us, your people. God, we bless you. Salvation and deliverance this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, why don't you thank Pastor Adam? Great message. Have a quick seat. You're taking Hunter away. I haven't shot him yet. I mean, that's just second nature, Adam, to me. It's like, I, I won't, I won't, I won't, I'll teach you at lunch the gobble. Yeah. It's, it's a good thing. No. No. All right. You got it. Just a preview. Wait till the deer comes out. Now, you know how, you know how you get a male deer to come near your tree stand? No, I'm not saying. No. It's called dopey. I didn't say dope. Anyway, let's. we're going to do something holy here. Hey, we're going to bless Pastor Adam and Medea with a love offering. You guys are so good at giving, and you, you just show gratitude and love. The Bible says that, you know, a gift will go before a giver. And he's given, you know, and, and God wants to. So if you need a credit card slip, put your hand up. But, you know, a gift prepares a way. And so we just want to bless them this morning. You know, I know you've done it for years. You've blessed these guys as they were getting started. But, you know, it's, it, there's always second, third, fourth, fifth blessing. It's all right to do that. So I want you to give and give generously. And you can do it by push pay. You can do it by credit card. You can, you can even put on there if you don't have it today that you'll give it next week or whatever. But we want to bless them with that. And as you get ready, they'll go around and collect that in a second. Listen again, next week, it is a bringing week. It is a week where we say to people, this is the most powerful day on the calendar for, for you and bring them along. And we're going to have a baptism afterwards also. If, uh, if you are here and you've never been baptized by immersion in water, I tell you, you can't do the great commandment without that. Try as you will. Baptism is there. And so because it is so powerful uh, when people follow the Lord in believers' baptism, and if you need to do that, see one of us pastors uh, at the end of the service, and we'll, we'll talk to you about that. But there are people getting baptized here next week, both campuses together. Um, let's put the thing up on the screen. Just leave that one up for Easter week. The guys did, there you go. He makes the way. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be great. The house is going to be packed, and you're going to bring friends and relatives. And uh, listen, I'm going to believe that some of those people are even going to get born again before you get here with them. That's what God's going to do in your week. Just don't tell the devil. Let him find out at that moment they're born again. He goes, oh, I lost another one. You know. All right, let's stand to our feet. Father, we thank you for a great day together as your church. Lord, we thank you for the anointing that's upon us. 
God, that anointing is activated even now. We don't have to wait for next Sunday. We don't have to wait for tomorrow. As we walk out of this place, God, we carry the anointing of Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. He has anointed us. So, Father, for every person here, I pray just an absolute awareness and an increase in that awareness of that anointing as we walk this week. We touch people's lives. We see captives set free. Father, we bless you for your word that's so rich and true and sets people free. So, Lord, we bless you this day. Resurrection day, a day of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day, church. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.